somebody getting the ball, making a tackle, sacking the quarterback, some pro making a play. Look at him go, stiff arms, he's a sledgehammer, he's in, touchdown Tennessee! Hello and welcome back into Two Tone Brews, a unaffiliated Tennessee Titans podcast. My name is Brucker and I am joined by Chris. And Chris, you can find me on the fucking edge right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm there, but I think I'm like five steps away from the edge compared to you. Oh, so. hey, there you are. Yeah, I just had to turn around. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, today we will be recapping the week one game of the Tennessee Titans going down to New Orleans playing against Derek Carr and the Saints and uh, this unfortunate loss to the Saints. And then at the end of this, we'll be looking ahead a little bit to the Chargers game. But I mean, Chris, I guess let's just get into it. Um, I'm pretty... I'm pretty upset about uh, this, the way this game went this week. We lost by a point, 16 to 15. Um, I, I know, I feel like you and I, like we, we were bitching with each other about it a little bit over the weekend, but we haven't like shared all of our thoughts. Um, I'll let you have the floor right now. Where, where are you at after this game? It was just a really frustrating game. Uh, overall so it was a tough watch and kind of a, a bummer of a game to have as our week one you know football's back you got all these good vibes and then they just lay a fucking stinker so yeah frustrating game to watch indeed um i'm not freaking out just yet okay well y- maybe you could calm me down because i'm losing it man <laughs> <laughs> i mean I- I mean, the game, I mean, there were a lot of positives to take away. It's mostly defense, but I mean, like Amani Hooker was fantastic this game. I loved the fumble recovery we got right out the gate. I mean, I don't in great field position, too. I I don't think we could have asked for anything better besides, you know, really capitalizing and getting a touchdown there. But I mean, defense looked awesome. Uh, I mean, you know, that, that was a big takeaway for me. Well, yeah, most of the defense looked awesome. Uh, the secondary looked a little shaky. Um, oh, yeah, that's and I true. know, I know, Fulton was kind of playing hurt. So I hope that's not going to be an, ind- an indicative of the rest of his play this season. Um, so we'll see. The, de- the defense was pretty much the lone bright spot for me. Um, the offense was, I think, not as bad as a whole as as we want to maybe perceive it to be. Uh, clearly Ryan Tannehill yes. was the arbiter of our downfall in this game. Uh, and we can get into that a little bit more later, but, uh, yeah, 16, 15, uh, just a f- bunch of field goals. And then the saints got, you know, their, their lone touchdown on, uh, pretty much one of their two, what I would say, like really good drives of the game. And, um, all in all, yeah. the defense really kept us in this game, and that's kind of the Mike Vrabel way. We'll play until you know it's a one-score game and just see where the ball bounces, uh, which is literally the case in this game with the fumble uh, mm-hmm. coming from from Williams. 
which he unfortunately recovered. Yeah, but then there was speaking of fumble, then there was also also the like fumble call, on, you know, on like the Derek Carr thing, and Kevin Byard like picked it up, like like it was an early whistle, and you know, same thing from the fucking Josh Dobbs game against the Jags, like the the, the inconsistency in play, not just the Titans game, but like all Sunday. Just the okay, yeah. Inconsistency so and flags about that play, that exact same play where you know the hands going forward, but the ball's not in it. He just kind of punches it. That fucking happened in the Jags Colts game. That was the hilarious Tank Bigsby holding the ball, thinking it was out of play or thinking the play was dead, and then the Colts punch it away and run it back for the touchdown. That started with. Uh, with Lawrence having the exact same thing happen to him. And guess fucking what? They didn't blow the whistle. They let it play out. And it was a touchdown for the Colts. The same thing should have happened for the Titans. But apparently they sent out a memo because that happened about 30 minutes later than the Titans got screwed, getting screwed. So yeah, the the refereeing, I think, was was horribly inconsistent. The only thing they were actually consistent on was how much they turned a blind eye to pass interference because they did oh do it God. for the saints and then uh we got away with a couple as well but they were really just allowing anyone to get contact down the field and only called it when it was particularly obvious the fumble call is a complete you know it, it's completely inexcusable from an nfl refereeing crew and, to make that mistake and then review it and then still hold by their mistake it's, it's almost conspiratorial at that point yeah, because like even the broadcast crew was like, "Oh yeah, this is a fumble, like a hundred percent." And like they were even talking about how like this is definitely coming back to, or you know, like the Titans will be, you know, recovering this, you know, at the end of it or whatever. And like they were surprised that the call on the field stand and or stood. And I don't know, I it wasn't just, like officiating all around has been like really shitty. I think mm-hmm. like like in like most games because like even on the the monday night game the jets game there was like a tripping like missed tripping call that they talked about on that punt return but to me this makes me think that there are too many goddamn rules in the nfl and like it needs to be simplified a little bit because these the reps are like there's too much stuff to see i don't i think i feel like some of them are not like adequate like at all it all seems so subjective to like just how they're feeling that day on stuff and like i know i sound like such a sore loser today about complaining about the refs, but like, that's not why we lost. I know that, but it's frustrating. Well, it makes me miss. I think it's the XFL or one of those alternative alternative football leagues that has the sky judge where it's, there's like somebody in the booth in the stadium who will immediately review a play every single one. And they'll say, Hey, you know what? Let's take a look at that. They'll call for, reviews or they'll straight up overrule the rule uh the call on the field because and then they're transparent about it they have like a fucking camera over their shoulder and they're like yeah so you see here the ball's out of his hand and he's just pushing it forward that's what the nfl needs because you're i think you're right there's a ton of rules and with only what is it like five judges they can't see everything on the field when it's so chaotic especially like in those uh you know the calls in the secondary or around the line of scrimmage where there's so much going on you can't expect them to catch everything. You should be able to expect them to review a call that they clearly got wrong and overturn it. But having someone else that's actually on site 
could be beneficial than sending everything to New York. Um, and then that'll also speed up the game too. You know, yeah. just a little I, hidden benefit there. I don't know. There, there needs to be something at least. I totally agree. And I also agree with what, because uh, I think on Monday I was listening to Robbie and Rex Road and one of them was saying about how this is why we should make refs hold pref- press conferences after the game, like how the coaches do. So that way they could like answer and be held accountable to calls that they made. I absolutely am behind refs having press press conferences to that would be, be questioned about this. That stuff. would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also something that um, the English football league will do where they basically have like a breakdown um, from their, uh, you know, their governing body. And they'll say, these are the calls that we are going to look at that may have been missed and they'll analyze it and they'll, they'll publish it. That's free for any fan to, to read and, and understand what they were looking at or what they got wrong. And they're like, becoming more forthright with it. The NFL is just like sweeping that shit right under the rug. You, you watch the, I watched the, the condensed game right before we got on. And what was suspiciously missing from the NFL sanctioned condensation of the game was that whole fucking sequence. It's like, it never even happened. Oh, wow. You can't make it up, dude. This goes up to the top. Um, geez. Well, I guess let's uh I guess let's transition a little bit into the elephant in the room that is the quarterback play. So Ryan Tannehill, he completed sixteen of thirty-four attempts for only hundred and ninety-eight yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Um I I don't blame I mean the offensive line wasn't perfect, but I don't like it's rare for me to really dog on or say that a game falls on Tannehill because I've been a Tannehill like kind of defender for a while now, but this Sunday's game was kind of, kind of broke me (laughs) a little (laughs) bit. And this game fully, I I think fully fault falls on him. Like I thought Tim Kelly called a good game. The, the, you know, his receivers, uh, Chig, Spears, Henry, all did a good job. The O-line did a decent job. They did a manageable job, I think. Tannehill looks fucking scared in the pocket, I think. Like he didn't have any zip. I I I he looked like he looked he seemed uncomfortable moving in the pocket when he needed to. I I'm just like at a loss at his performance. By far the worst um uh, performance we've seen from him outside of the uh Bengals playoff game but he actually threw a, at least one touchdown in that game at least he's, he, Regard- he still had like zip you know in yeah, that game like you know, he thing. still like, like had confidence he was, in that game yeah he looked extremely spooked there were a few times in you know even in the first half where he's like in a clean pocket and then he just panics and and I don't know what he's looking at I didn't have the all 22 to see if he was just like completely had no options but he's running from a clean pocket bumping into the backs of offensive linemen just to get sacked a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage and he's the the little passes where he doesn't have any air on it and then you compare it to the passes where he puts way too much on it he was just completely lacking touch and i don't know if that's rust from game situations i mean he didn't play the last what eight 
eight or seven weeks that's last a, season, and then this is his first game point. back. So, you know, I'm not going to, like, run him out of town just yet. I, there's, like, all there's rumors of, oh, maybe he gets traded to the Jets. It's, Dude, not, it's am, not happening. So I, let's I know just, that won't happen <laughs> because of his performance, but I would love if that were to happen. I would take, I would take like, imaginary fab fantasy dollars for that right now like I, uh, oh my god that is I'm, a hot hot take i i'm ready i'm ready to go nuclear right now i mean i don't know about you but like that i feel i don't know like you make a really good point because i didn't think about how he didn't play for the last seven games and none of the preseason which now makes me think maybe he should have taken if, like more preseason snaps be due to him missing half a season last year just to try to get some the, of that rust off so the fucking ball he's out there instead of just handing it off three times <laughs> right and so i guess that's like my other question like is this rust or like it has father time come for ryan Tannehill? i mean like i'm i'm not trying to be a downer but like things like arm strength i don't think that's rust i think that's his age like maybe was his ankle injury worse than we thought and like he's still not feeling great i don't know well there's unfortunately only one way for us to find out (laughs) to see (laughs) see if he continues to suck it's gonna be a hard pill to swallow if that's the truth because that means we're probably sent it in three (laughs) yeah and i don't think he has a short leash with rabel i mean because in his monday presser rabel a straight out called out Tannehill in, in his presser and he straight up said Tannehill has to be better and he cannot throw into double fucking coverage like how two of his interceptions were um yeah and he can't forego open receivers to throw into double coverage which made it a whole lot worse that's the other thing that like drives me wild is that like it's not just this game like there was like I think back to that Ravens uh wild card game we lost to at home when he threw to NWI, when AJ Brown clearly beat his man, he just didn't look at him. Uh, and then, like this, there, there's I feel like there's been several c- scenarios like that, including on Sunday. Like Chig was beating his guy a lot, and for some reason he didn't look his way. And when he did, he overthrew him. Yeah, he was wide open on the. Uh, I think it was the second interception that he threw to to Moore towards the goal yeah. line. Yeah, Chig was wide open, like 35 yards down the field. It would have been a massive, massive game. Instead, we threw into double coverage. They got away mm-hmm. with a PI. Fine. You don't make that throw. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you expect a PI or not. You do not make that throw. Right. And and similarly, there was like another Spears one that he missed him on. And he, he missed Chig twice on that flea flicker too. And then like Spears was also got wide open, which tells me... Tim Kelly is like scheming these guys open. That's that's a good sign. And if we if Tannehill was, I mean, I'm I'm overreacting. I know, but <laughs> I I'm, I'm just so goddamn angry about it. Yeah, maybe you let that moment of clarity just wash over you a second because <laughs> you're gonna have to see him again on Sunday. <laughs> it's it's a tough pill. The one thing that I think. This is like my ideal situation. Let Willis be active just in case. Or sorry, yeah. Levis. Let Levis be active just in case. Because 
I mean, if that game was a little bit more out of hand, do you think Vrabel's putting in Malik Willis? Like, let's be honest. That's just digging a hole deeper. You might as well see what you got with Levis in that situation. So I think, um, so I was listening to a football show yesterday. I don't know if you've listened to their reaction to this, but uh, uh, apparently there was some rumors from Titans fans that were at the game, like physically there, that after it was, it was, it was like right there at the two minute warning when we kicked the field goal instead of going for it, which I want to get back to um, that Malik Willis was behind Vrabel warming up. And I wonder if there was like talks about, you know, if we get the stop with still time on the clock, we have like enough time to like do some, do a few plays that the, the rumor, the rumor mill has it that they were getting Malik ready for him to throw the Hail Mary. Cause like, he, I think it's obvious that his arms may be a little bit stronger right now than Tannehill's. And I think yeah. that they were getting him ready for the Hail Mary pass at the end. Yeah, I heard that rumor. I mean, there's, I guess, some merit to it based on the arm strength argument. Um, Well, I I wouldn't put the game in Malik Willis's hands at any point in the two minutes because we've seen him run a two-minute offense. We've seen him run a regular offense as as recently as a couple weeks ago. I just, I don't think he's got it between the ears to to handle a pressure situation like that. So. Maybe it was just a just in case kind of situation. Who knows? So, at what point? <laughs> at what like at what point? And I'm curious. There's no your 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 thoughts on this. At like what point in the season? Like, what does the record need to get to for you to be like, all right, we just got to put in Levis or Malik and like just ride this out for the rest of the season? I think that if Tannehill lays a lays an egg again next week against a pretty porous chargers defense then we have real real reason to worry and to speculate that he might be getting benched soon because i just watched the highlights from the dolphins uh chargers game and they were just throwing the ball everywhere and it wasn't necessarily just to hill and waddle they were spreading it all over the park that defense was completely aimless and stopping the pass if Tannehill can't get something going against the Chargers and has another multi-interception, no touchdown game, like, oh, he better be looking for homes in New York or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, excuse me. I agree with you. I think that he's going to have a super short leash, and that's going to be, like, the real – I don't even know if, like, real litmus test is, like, the right way to phrase it, but, like, that will be a, a good test. All right. How are you going to do against this Chargers defense that let Tua do whatever he wanted to all day? Yeah, it's going to be the worst defense we face for the next few weeks um, with the Browns and the Ravens coming after that. He's going to have to put up or shut up. You know, if he doesn't, then I could see the team wanting to make a splash move or, you know, try something else because we've already said that, in our opinion, Kelly called a good game. Yeah. So if if he's not hitting these wide open guys, he's he missed some pretty egregious throws or just wasn't making throws when he could have instead of taking sacks. You know, I, I don't I don't see a way up from that if he's just got the yips or something or if he's if he's finally succumbed to age and injury, yeah. uh, which I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I like I'm a Tannehill 
believer in a lot of ways. I want him to succeed. And I want this to be a blip on the radar, which I'm, I'm at this point, I'm convinced it is. Um, the I mean, only thing that would convince me it's not is if he shits the bed on Sunday. I mean, all of the data says that you're right and that this is really like an outlier for Tannehill. Like, like the, the science is on your side for this. It really is. And because I don't think he, I think like the last time he had this poor of a game statistically, like, you know, throwing under 200 yards, zero touchdowns, multiple interceptions was his first year in the league. And so like, if it's, you know, like you said, a blip, whatever, I guess I'll, I'll get over it. But um, the, the, the emotional fan part of me is taking over my brain right now. And I'm um, just, I'm, I'm trying to, because you know me normally, you know me, you know, I normally am like a Tannehill guy, but I, th- I think just, I think it's, I think it was like the buildup of like everything so far <laughs> to that point. But, uh, but uh, so I, I, want, I want to circle back to a point that I uh, mentioned and then kept moving on from was Vrabel's decision to kick the field goal instead of going for it when it's fourth and short and we're getting close to the two minute warning, we still had all three timeouts in our pockets. Do you, what are your thoughts on him going for the field goal instead of going for either the first down or the touchdown right there? So I think in a vacuum, I would say go for it, but having been through three and a half quarters of that offense, I can see exactly why he wanted to kick the field goal instead. You have an automatic three points to get you within one, and you have four clock stoppages in your hands with a defense that's been lights out for most of the game. We have been, up to that point, our offense was no yards, negative yards, or five yards, and we needed six. So... I think it was a a measured decision. It was a careful decision on Vrabel's part, and I can't fault him for it. I think in the moment I was like, oh, we should go for this. And then he tried out the field goal, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, I I actually agree with you. I In the moment, I was like, because I was even like, I don't think we should go for it because nothing, like the eyeball test, nothing about how this game's been going offensively for us says, yeah, we can do that. You know, uh, not, not not to be a you know a downer or anything, but like I agreed with Rabel just going for it because you know if we would be having the exact opposite conversation, like if he went for it and didn't get it, we'd be going, oh, you should have kicked it because the defense needs been doing so good, blah blah blah. I feel like it's like one of those like lose lose situations unless you unless you get the touchdown. But no, I, I agree with kicking and then just trusting the defense to get a stoppage with four clock stoppages like you said yeah and it's just unfortunate we had them right where we wanted them on a third and long and fulton just got beat uh they were smart to target him because he'd been a little bit slow since coming back from that uh that knock so you know it was just a well-drawn-up play by the saints to uh, attack kind of a hobbled player in a critical situation and that player uh rashid Shaheen or Rasheen Shahid, whatever his name is, I, like he was just balling out. So they got into his hands, and he made a couple of plays when they needed him. So uh, I, I can't fault Vrabel, and I honestly can't fault the defense after the the performance. Oh they yeah, put up. No. it was just a well 
well orchestrated like couple of plays by the Saints, you know, that was just pro football. You know, sometimes you make the right decision and it still don't work out because you're playing pro football. Right. And there is something to be said to like like on a positive note, there's something to be said to we kept them to only one touchdown the whole game. We as abysmal that Ryan Tannehill looked, it was we literally lost by one point. So I guess like there is something to be said that like maybe it wasn't that bad because like we were because it's not like we got like crazy turnovers and just like ended up in their red zone off of like interceptions and like just Tannehill couldn't punch it through. We did march down the field to get into field goal territory for four out of the five field goals that we had or three out of the five field goals we had. So like, it, and it, that is odd too. That's another anomaly that like Vrabel's Titans have always been lethal in the red zone. This is the worst red zone output that we Vrabel's team has had. So again, another outlier for this. That like maybe this is just one of those fluky games that you just burn the tape and move on. Yeah, it it kind of seems like that when you really start to dig into the facts of the game. Like you said, we had. Uh, abysmal quarterback play very questionable refereeing uh go against us and then um you know a couple drops i'm not gonna hide from that burks dropped an easy first down and yeah. then we got sacked on the very next play so with these kind of little little things that went wrong that all stacked up and we still almost won or had a shot to win in the end i think that's promising from the team as a whole and it's you know, we actually have a kicker now, so we can kind Nick of stick Falk. in these games. Nick Foles, woo, seventh round pick. Worth worth it. And uh he carried so, my fantasy team in our Yahoo League. This <laughs> <laughs> is a little a little sad for you. I'm just kidding. You won, so you're good. <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna say positives about the offense. We have a kicker, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennessee, Nick Folk. Um, very, very happy with him. Um, the Tajay Spears still looked good, you know, in, in going yeah. up against a starting defense. Uh, I did find it interesting that Spears actually outsnapped Derrick Henry in this game, uh, 34 to 30, which I did not expect. That was not on my bingo card going mm-hmm. into this. Um, I'm not mad at it either. I saw some people clamoring that like, what's Henry doing on the sideline? That, that's not why we're losing, folks. It, it just isn't. And in Sp- Spears looked good. I even there were even some formations where both of them are on the field. Julius Chestnut was even on the field with him at one point. So like, I I, I liked how they utilized the the running backs in this, and the running game did look good. Yeah, we were able to move the ball on the ground uh, through Henry and Spears together. And I think it's only it, it's actually a good thing that Henry didn't get 30-plus touches because we can keep him healthy. Um, he's been 30-plus touches most games for the last five or so years. And it's just kind of worn on him last year. I wouldn't say he was bad. I mean, he had like um, over 1,500 yards. Um, <laughs> but... He uh, he's he's to the point where we want to save him for later in the season because he's going to be really valuable there and he can just absolutely bludgeon dudes uh, down the stretch. So I think week one, having a more even split um, was actually a really good thing, a really positive sign because we actually have an RB2 that can 
uh, produce for us. The oh, only yeah, thing absolutely. that I didn't like about uh, the split is how they were utilized in formation because it seemed like the Saints were able to tell if we were passing or running based on who was in the in the backfield. So I think we can we can do a better job of mixing that up, like throw some some eye formation or single back formation with spears and put Henry in the backfield during a, a shotgun play or something like that. Like we need to be able to throw the defense off running out a shotgun with Henry or something like that. Uh, so that's probably something they, they will notice because they're a hundred times smarter at football than I am. Um, so I'm sure, you know, Kelly and Vrabel and the rest of the offensive staff are already having those discussions and I hope we see it rolled out against the chargers. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, totally agree i thought they looked good and you know i'm excited to see more spears and also henry still looked explosive i mean he had two he had two big plays i mean he stiffed armed the shit out of somebody that i've seen all over uh social media too which is just great that the king can still you know do that stuff but um so like i like the offensive line can be better i think that's something like we're always going to say but Again, I feel like this boiled down to Tannehill and everyone else I thought looked good for for the most part. Like you said, Burks had to have that drop, but like I wasn't displeased really with anyone else. Yeah, true. Uh, Henry's stiff arm gave me very deep joy. It was like deep. <laughs> <laughs> it was like seeing an old friend you haven't seen in a while and you're like, oh, you know, you haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, offensive line I thought was fine um, we've, we've been saying for a couple weeks now they just need to be middle of the pack and they were exactly middle of the pack they allowed uh, what a couple sacks and a few pressures here and there dude the I Saints were kind of okay with that yeah a few sacks okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that the Saints front seven is really really good they That's true. Jordan Granderson Le- Levante David like dude they're really fucking good so you know maybe against you know, more average defensive fronts, they'll look a lot better. We'll say, we'll say that. And keep in mind, we're also on the road in one of the loudest stadiums in the league um, with, uh, you know, how much sound that place keeps in and those maniacs down in New Orleans. Um, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay with the offensive line play. I thought, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Um, I guess there's moving away from offense and feel free to bring me back. If there's anything else you want to mention about offense. Um I know we mentioned it, but, you know, defensive line, just, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Audrey, fucking monsters. Uh, Arden Key had a fucking day, man. Um, I was so happy with him. Arden Key was flying all over the field. Uh, He really stood out. He was amazing. Like, I'm very, very happy. I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do the rest of the season because he was balling out there. Yes, I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's let's go." Rand Carthon getting him and uh, Aziz Altair. You know, he had he had some good tackles and everything too. So um, he, he uh, Aziz Altair, I really liked watching just because he's like one of those guys that like you would just like use that football cliche. He's got dog in him, and uh, I don't know. I kind of like the the roughing the passer call that he had was like, like I get it. You can't like touch the head of the quarterback or anything, but like. I don't know. Part there was part of me that was kind of like I kind of like his aggression here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I was fine with that too. Also, Jeff Simmons like almost decapitating Shahid 
at, at the end of the game. Uh, oh my god! Just, yes, yes. <laughs> was, I was like, was, I'm sure that's gonna fucking hurt tomorrow because that looked painful. Dude, that guy paid the price to stay in bounds, so <laughs> he won't yeah. be doing that again. <laughs> Uh, Jeff Simmons tried to like fucking take out his neck. Yeah, that- <laughs> yeah, that was that was savage. Uh, no, the defensive line was absolutely incredible. Uh, I this Jack this Gibbons is be looked the best. good too. What's that, Gibbons? Yeah, yeah. I also like Gibbons. I thought Gibbons looked really good too. He had a few um, behind the line of scrimmage tackles. Yeah, no, another football cliche. He's a lunch pail kind of guy you know <laughs> he just gets after it the uh the the defensive line and the linebacking core uh they looked really solid they look great and then hooker back there locking down the the safety role and molden and his and his kind of cameo appearances in the secondary they, they both looked really really good yeah and just, just need to you know i feel like our dbs are gonna be like a little bit of an issue all year but like you know they're do you, our D line without needing to do stunts was like so freaking good. I mean, like, and and they were like that last year too. The only thing, and I'm not I'm not worried. It's just like an observation is that I didn't really notice Harold Landry much. Did he play or did he like? Do you, I don't know if he like had like a limited snap count or anything. But I was just yeah. I, I was just kind of noticing. I didn't notice his name come up once. I, I'm looking at the stat sheet. He only had one tackle. Yeah, he had one tackle. Um, I haven't looked at the snap counts just yet. But no, he was definitely out there. But I think Arden Key kind of stole the show. Arden Key was also going up probably their, against one of the worst linemen around right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, Penning. Penning was just getting absolutely dogged pretty much the whole game. So it's it seems like they were flooding the pass rush to that side, which allowed uh Arden Key to just get after the quarterback a lot more often. And uh we also saw Tart getting getting mixed up in there as well. Like Tart was blowing up some run passes, going up against the same side of that offensive line. I love Tart. He's such a bully. I love him. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if I have really much other thoughts on this. Was, was there any other topics you want to talk about uh concerning the game against the Saints? No, I think we we settled it. Um, the, we settled it. <laughs> I think we settled it. We settled the, the score. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy um, with the special teams, even with the blocked punt. Um, other uh, than that, yeah, you know, I think we're I think we're all right. Yeah, and that blocked punt, I think that was that was more of an athletic play made by the the Saints guy that that got back there and did it because. I thought that he missed it at first and because like, I thought like Stonehouse like just barely got it off. But uh, yeah, it was so. a perfect block. Could you imagine how much that has to fucking hurt coming off of Stonehouse? You just blasting that thing. <laughs> fucking cannon. Oh, uh, one of these days, some... a finger is going to get lost doing that. <laughs> yeah, is it going to be maimed on the field? Like, oh, Brian Stonehouse blew off three fingers. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just hoping that Mike Keith is like, <laughs> he, he he does like a really crazy call for it. He's just like digits all over the field. It's a bloodbath. You know? Move over, Pierre Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Uh, and then Jeffrey Simmons picks them up one at one at a time and makes a necklace out of them. Yeah, so <laughs> that's that's what I see him doing. Um, but anyways, <laughs> you, that was exactly what happened. That'd be like a turnover chain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. Well, um, getting previewing next week's game against the LA Chargers. Um, this is a stout offense with Austin Eckler, uh, Joshua Kelly, Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Uh, I forget the name of their tight end right now. Is it Everett? Higg- Everett, that's it. Everett. So. But, uh, you know, we already talked about it. Their defense didn't look really good. It looked pretty porous going up against Miami. So this is the game that I had us originally losing when we did our schedule previewing. Like, just us being our first loss. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it, but, you know, it's going to be at home praying. Tan- if Tim Kelly calls a similar game where he, you know, he's getting – his playmakers open like how we saw in the saints game and Tannehill's able to connect with them. Um, it, it should be a positive outlook for us. If those things happen. Yeah. There's two ways I see this game going and it is a close offensively driven game or we just get our asses blown out because we can't keep up. So yeah. and that all goes back to the whole Tannehill discussion. If he, has a good game, we're in it. Like we can win. That defense looked really bad. Their offensive line allowed pressures against the Dolphins defensive front, which is not half as good as ours. And on top of that, Herbert doesn't look that good under pressure. He he kind of folds under pressure um, when you got guys in his face. So if if we can execute in these key areas, winning along the defensive line and actually making throws that an NFL quarterback should make. Like, I think we have a pretty good chance at winning this game or at least keeping it close. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I feel like it go either way. It's either going to be like super close, gritty Mike Vrabel type of squeaky game, or we're going to get fucking blown out. And, you know, Kellen Moore being their new offensive coordinator and everything. Um, who knows what's going to be. I mean, Austin Eckler, I think he's, he's still really good. Joshua Kelly also looked really good too. Their RB too. Um, you know, Herbert can really launch it. He's got big old Keenan Allen out there to get, you know, these deep passes and everything. So, you know, it kind of depends the type of game. I, I have a hard time seeing, I guess it just depends how our defense does to, to like, if they're able to keep it to that Mike Frabel style of play. But yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking on DraftKings right now, and the point spread is Chargers minus three. So, which, which is fair. Yeah, that's fair. And you know, they—I don't know if it's true or not—but they always say that like they kind of give the home team an extra three. So you would say neutral site. That's a, a minus six in favor of the Chargers, um, which I still would think is pretty fair uh, based on how the Titans offense looked last week. I'd be interested to see um, where uh, Eckler's stats are projected because I don't think he's going to get a lot of rushing yards in this game. I think he's going to get all of his production through the air, uh, catching out of the backfield. Because if there's one thing that really stood out as a weakness in our defense is covering out of the backfield. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if we have... We have good linebackers, but I don't know if we have anybody that can match up with Eckler unless they just stick Molden out there you know, full time. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. That that does scare me because, you know, we, there were so many big plays from the saints where 
their running back slipped out or even just like Chris Olave just like coming out of the backfield and just like kind of slipping down the middle. Uh, those were some of their big explosive plays that happened. So definitely going to be on the lookout for that for both Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly in this. Yeah, I have to agree. So, I mean, what do you expect besides scoreline? Do you think Tannehill can bounce back in this game? My, he, he should. Will he? I don't know. Um, if he throws for multiple interceptions, it's going to be like eyeball test too, not just stats. Because like, if he throws for multiple interceptions, if he is having like these weak throws too, which is what we saw in Mariota when he got benched. Because like, remember all the skip balls that he would throw? Yeah, Tannehill didn't. Necess- yeah, Tannehill didn't necessarily have that bad of like throwing skip balls, but like. He was overthrowing dudes. He was underthrowing dudes. He was not putting a lot of zip on it. So, if it looks like that again, that it's that's going to have a hard time. If I were Mike Vrabel, I would have a hard time not going nuclear and benching him. Um, but I want to. I don't know if I would bench him that game if he's having a bad game. Like I let it play out, see how it goes. But you know, if Tannehill could be. Normal Tannehill, average Tannehill. We have a legitimate shot at winning, is what I think. Yeah, I agree. And if we have last week, week one Tannehill again, then we're probably getting our asses handed to us anyway, and he probably benches him just because it doesn't matter and might as well, you know, trot out one of the backups and see what they can do. That's the only two ways I see this happening. I don't see a scenario where the Titans come out, put it all together, and just have – you know, a, a good double digit win. I think the Chargers offense is just too good. Even all the praise we've heaped on the on the defense, it's going to be up to our offense to keep us in this game. Um, if it shakes out, you know, the way the paper, you know, matchup would suggest. Yeah, I mean, the only I see us winning by two scenarios. One. Tannehill bouncing back and like having like a good game and we just we just straight out win uh whether that looks like a shootout or just just us just just winning because Tannehill being good and our defense being fucking awesome um I see that happening or Tannehill doesn't bounce back but however Nick Folk squeaks out a game-winning field goal somehow <laughs> uh because like because you know as much of as much Tannehill bashing I've been doing like I said, he he did drive us down the field to get us into field goal range, yeah, for for four-ish times. So I got to give him credit for that. He at least did get us in opportunity for points. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got what it takes. He just needs to put it together and make these throws that we've seen him make in the past, and that frankly should be the minimum expectation. Um, Trust in the scheme because I think the scheme's good enough. And trust in these skill players because, I mean, DeAndre looked really good. Uh, Burks looked pretty good. And uh, Chig, we didn't really get to see because he barely threw to him. So, uh, and Spears. Spears and Henry both looked great. So we have we have offensive talent around him where he doesn't need to, like, panic. He can, he can trust these guys. Um, I don't know what kind of windows he was throwing to against the saints but they the chargers do not have Lattimore on their team they they do not have a corner 
in my opinion, that's even close to that caliber. They got Derwin James back there in the safety role, and he's really good, but you can avoid a safety a lot easier than you can avoid a lockdown corner. So it's going to be another Tannehill-centric game, whether we want it or not. Um, but we're just going to have to see how it shakes out because Vrabel ain't benching him. You know, he's not not before this week. So um, right. I, th- I think we're going to have to just hope and pray that he can put his put that game behind him and get his shit together and actually like play like we know he can play. Yeah. All right. Um, I I feel like that we've done, I feel like we've covered enough about the chargers. Uh, Before we head out, I do want to uh, take this moment to uh, dunk on some stupid fucking Colts news. (laughs) Yes. That that we saw last week Uh, here. here, I have a little, um, a little expert to to read to you and you tell me where where this is from when you walk in the locker room there is a circle and my obligation to everyone in that locker room is the circle has to be as strong as possible to give us a chance to win could you fucking imagine walking into your place of work and you have to read this goddamn quote from jim ursay in in the locker room It's not even well written. It is like very clunky. It's like you got to stop and read it twice. Yeah, really. Like this went through so many people. Like, like, like think about like the line of people that had to go through from inception of like, hey, I want to paint my, my, my smarty smarts on the wall for my boys to read. To, to 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 the actual person doing it and going you don't want like you don't want like a, like an editor to look at this or anything like this, <laughs> this surely they have like a sports psychologist on staff that read that and is like this cannot be good for our psyche no <laughs> like, this oh is God. gonna just fuck with people the um uh, you, just quickly uh in case people are out of the loop what we're talking about this is a quote jim ursay had written within the locker rooms of like the, the, the Colts facility. So this is his, this is him quoting himself in his own building to his players. All right, go on. So can you imagine the email thread? I don't know if you've ever been on one of these, like at work where it's like your boss wants something silly and you're kind of like telling people like, yeah, I know, I know, but I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I don't really have a choice. Uh, it's not my call. Like he wants this thing on the wall and I got to put it in fucking brushed, stainless steel <laughs> I've, I've, dude i've had those conversations like hey i know it's stupid you know it's stupid but the person that pays the big bucks doesn't think it's stupid <laughs> yeah so here we are we're writing stupid ass quotes on the wall um <laughs> oh god and i guess i guess that their circle just wasn't strong enough to to outlast the, the jags this week do you think I, I need to find a picture from inside the locker room is there an actual circle like painted because if there's not that doesn't make any sense at all does he think the horseshoe is supposed to be a circle (laughs) he probably does i don't know what's wrong with his oval it's missing a piece it's missing a piece god damn it god damn it yeah i I just wore the fucking shoe up your ass oh my god uh, I will say the Jags did a like their social media team did a phenomenal job trolling the Colts after this. I don't know if you saw this. No. They 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 released a meme. It, you know, it was like the Jags teal background and whatnot. And then over the Jags logo was a Colts banner saying uh, we lost to the Jags week one. And oh, below yeah. it they did the hashtag instead of for the shoe they said for the who. 
Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's, it's pretty good trolling from the Jags. Um, the Colts will never live down the the runner up banner. That is no. the single cringiest thing in NFL history. There's it cannot be topped. Yeah, no, this is it, it is part of the circle now. That's. <laughs> We talk about things everyone knows is a bad idea, but Ursay's like, this will be really good for morale. He's like, they're going to love this. <laughs> hey, remember that time we lost a huge game? Look up there. <laughs> hey, remember uh, that time that I froze out our best offensive player? Well, he's not in the circle. You see, the circle's stronger without him. Jesus Christ. He goes, have you ever tried to put a strong thing in, in a round peg? It doesn't work. It's, <laughs> it doesn't work. Circle. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. God damn. I just, I'm fucking, I just love that they, uh, they, they lost Houston lost. I mean, the Jags won because they were playing the Colts, but I mean, again, um, I, I did see that Trevor Lawrence went up to, Anthony Richardson, and he was kind of just like, "Hey, man, you should learn how to slide." <laughs> the really? hits are different this league. <laughs> no, did you see um, uh, Anthony Richardson? He made a history. He made a, the history of needlessly specific statistics. He was the first player in NFL history to do this exact parlay: two hundred pass yards, forty yards rushing, a pass touchdown, and a rush touchdown. Who? gives a fuck for the shoe <laughs> god damn it it's so, so it's so like i remember you sent that to me i was like is this a flex i like is, apparently I mean, like, colts fans think it's a flex like no one gives a fuck like it's the most pointless made-up statistic i have ever seen 40 yards that's not a milestone what jesus christ uh, <laughs> uh god damn it why are we in this division with all these lunatics? But <laughs> <laughs> oh, but there are lunatics. Um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, again, they lost. Houston lost. Happy about that. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how this division race shakes out. If Tannehill can get his head out of his ass. But um, I uh, was there anything else you had on the docket you want to mention? No, I'm done. I'm done dunking on the Colts and the Jaguars for now. For now. Yes, we, we will get to yeah. them next week. But um, all right, guys. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, this has been Two Tone Peruse and Unaffiliated Tennessee Titans podcast. Mm-hmm. Please share us with friends and family. We will see you next week with another episode reacting to the Chargers game and then previewing the next game, kind of like just how you saw now. Will Tannehill be benched this time next week? Who knows? But we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Cheers.